Hello, hi, and welcome. That's hello to everyone I don't know. Hi to those I do. And welcome to all of you. This is CLL and me, the first appointment. Before I get into the details of my first appointment, let's revisit the thought I left you with last time. After the initial shock, sorting out those must-do tasks, how do you feel and what next? Firstly, don't worry. It is quite normal for people to react differently and it will depend on both where you are in your life and your personality as to how you would react. For example, let me share the journey that two people with similar careers started when they were diagnosed with their cancer. Tig Nataro is a comedian, writer, producer and actor. When she was first diagnosed with her cancer, she produced her Live album. I suggest you have a listen to this to see how she handled it. Likewise, Victoria Wood, also a comedian, writer, producer and actor, and her reaction to her cancer diagnosis is shown in her autobiography Let's Do It and can be seen in the last two chapters of the book. To sum up, Tig decides to share her diagnosis publicly, while Victoria chooses to keep it private, only sharing it with a few close friends, family and trusted advisors. Now, there is nothing wrong with either of these approaches. It is simply what works best for you at the time and how you want to handle the situation. For me, I just wanted to keep things steady and status quo. I did not want to be considered special and did not wish to change much in my life at that time. I also opted to share my diagnosis as needed but did not broadcast it to everyone. That is not to say I was not comfortable or happy to discuss my diagnosis with anybody. I was more than happy to do this. I just considered it my diagnosis and I would share it as and when it was required. I often found as soon as I told someone that I had CLL, their reaction changed their attitude to me and it led to them being uncomfortable and not knowing quite how to respond. So, once I decided this, I needed to sort out work. As mentioned, I did not wish to give up my work, but I needed to make some changes to my working life. Firstly, while not difficult during the pandemic, I did need to limit the amount of work-related travel and stress. This did mean that I needed to change my role 
within the company I worked for. At that time, I spent a lot of my time traveling for work and staying away in hotels and using public transport. Both things, which certainly during the pandemic, had stopped, but also I needed to think, rethink and revisit going forward. I think this was an easy decision for me at the time, as my condition was not noticeably impacting my life, and I felt that this would still give me a sense of normality while I processed everything else around me. So, these changes for work were not going to happen overnight. I worked with my employer, and together we came up with a solution that enabled me to continue working while significantly reducing the amount of travel and stress that I incurred as part of my job role. This also resulted in me reducing the number of hours I had to work significantly, as travelling for work greatly increases the amount of time that you actually work. My new role was to be home office based and was designed to be less stressful and provide me with a more typical working week. I am not sure if my reaction was correct or if I handled things well. But for me, at that time, this just worked. Looking back on things, I could have been processing my diagnosis and in a bit of denial and certainly shock. It's hard to say. Certainly, after the initial diagnosis, I did not feel any different. And while I had accepted things needed to change and my long-term plans would need to be revised, other than this, for me, at this early stage, the only other feelings I really had were more to do with anxiety over what was coming next and how quickly my condition would deteriorate. So, for those of you who were paying attention, you will remember that I was left waiting for an appointment, with no idea how long that would take. So, how did this play out? Well, about two weeks after my initial diagnosis, I got a letter inviting me for a telephone appointment during June 2020. This was about in line with the expectation I was originally given by my doctor of about 10 to 12 weeks. The important thing to note was the appointment was a telephone appointment and not a face-to-face -face one. In my mind, I think we could put this down to two different reasons. The face-to-face -face appointment would have been in the hospital cancer ward and I would be mixing with those people undergoing chemotherapy and to protect these patients the standard at the time during the pandemic was to strictly limit those going in and out of the ward to those who strictly needed to be there. Also, and I think this is the main factor, the NHS has defined targets 
set by the UK government for referrals to see a consultant. And they wanted to ensure that the initial response fell within these targets, even if because of COVID-19, they could not make all the appointments face to face. At least the good news was, I now had a date for my appointment. Although it was still remote and still weeks away, at least I had something I could focus on. By the start of May, I had received a revised appointment, scheduled this time as an in-person one, towards the end of May. So, things have been changed, but at least for the better. My appointment was now in person rather than the telephone and the wait had been reduced by a short period. Although I have to add, I was asked to attend the appointment strictly on my own and was given guidelines to follow around social distancing and the wearing of protective equipment, specifically a medical grade face covering. On the day of the appointment, my wife took me into the hospital and we arrived as expected. I checked in with the reception team and had a blood test. While the test was being processed, I went back to sit in the reception area. This took about 30 minutes, which, to be honest, I felt was quite reasonable. And based on my experience in hospitals, this felt relatively normal. I was then called through to see the consultant haematologist. He started with a physical examination to check for signs of lymph node swelling. And we also had a discussion about any possible secondary symptoms so he could determine at what stage my condition had reached at that time. Once this was completed, I called my wife and put her onto a speakerphone. This allowed her to act as a second pair of ears while I discussed with the consultant his findings and how he thought things would progress. This also allowed her to take part as required and understand what was being discussed. Even though she was not allowed into the hospital at that time because of the strict protection measures. And for those worried, don't. I did ask the consultant's permission before making the call, which he was more than happy to give. I feel they are more than used to this, certainly during the pandemic, when accompanying patients was not allowed. His opinion was that I was in the very early stages of CLL and he felt no treatment would currently be required based on the current stage that I had reached. This meant his recommendation was that I should go on to watch, wait and see. I will describe what this actually means next time. He also went on to confirm that he did not envisage any treatment being required for several years, although did recommend regular blood tests 
to monitor the development of my condition every six to 12 months, which he subsequently confirmed in writing to my GP. So these tests could at least be handled within the GP practice and not require me to keep attending the council board. Finally, I was given the opportunity to ask any questions and clarify anything I did not understand. And before leaving was introduced to a cancer nurse in case anything else came up I wished to discuss following my appointment. I found this a useful safety net, but one at that time I did not make use of. I did query if there was any advice I needed to follow to slow the condition and was told just eat a balanced diet and stay fit. So general good medical practice at least. All in all, and despite everything, I felt that things had gone well and I was a bit more reassured of the current state of my condition and what it meant in the short term to me. I set off to start my new life full of the knowledge that I was now going to have to learn to live with my CLL. Although it was nice to be told, be careful, but otherwise I could live a normal life and didn't need to worry about treatment anytime soon. Of course, everyone is different and the course the condition takes with anybody will be different. The speed in which it can develop will vary and all a doctor can share is a typical person as an example and it doesn't mean that is how my condition will continue. However, it did at least give me some understanding. There was no immediate concern. Here is one last thought to leave you with. Following my appointment, did anything change? So until next time, thank you for joining me. And I invite you to continue on my journey when I will explain Watch, wait and see.